Hey, welcome and thanks for tuning in to the very first Deepers Creepers podcast where we get high, eat snacks, and talk about our favorite horror movies. I'm Casey. And I'm Jess. And this week we're going to be talking about the amazing movie, the one everyone's talking about, The Black Phone with Ethan Hawke. And I just have one question for you guys. Do you want to see a magic trick? Like Jess said, everyone's uh, been talking about this, uh, directed by Scott Derrickson, who previously did Sinister, Exorcism of Emily Rose, he helped with the new Doctor Strange movie. Um, screenplay was by Scott Derrickson, of course, and Robert Cargill, who works on a lot of the same movies as him, uh, starring Ethan Hawke, of course. James Ransone is in it. I didn't know James Ransone was in it until I got to the theater and saw his name come across. I had no idea. I was so excited. But it, it makes was, sense. I mean, he did Sinister. Yes. You know, so I loved yeah, him in those. Kind I of did. Makes sense. And obviously it's a Blumhouse production, which, you know, we love Blumhouse around here. So much. Um, and then also two other actors I want to shout out because they, I thought they were so amazing were the two main kid actors, Gwen and Finney, who are brother and sister, um, the leads in the movie. Finney is played by Mason Thames or Thames. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and then Gwen is played by Madeline McGraw, who I think just did a fantastic job. And I think she, I thought all she the stole the show. Yeah, yeah, the kid actors, the yeah. children actors were absolutely just just incredible. They absolutely all stole the show. Yeah. I mean, and going against Ethan Hawke, like, that's a hard thing to do, you oh, know, yeah. and oh, to yeah. share the stage with that big of a name. Oh, and in that big... And, and to the, hold their own. And one I of the best is, things about it is it's a horror movie about kids, but they're played by kids. They're not older teens playing kids or yeah. adults playing teenagers. Yeah. These are kids. Like, they are young kids. Yeah, and imagine having to put yourself into the position. A lot of those lot emotionally. Of have never been in movies this big yeah. and definitely never started movies. Right. Um, but yeah, so, uh, first we're gonna do a quick, um, like, spoiler-free section, because we know it just came out a few weeks ago, um, so we'll do a little section where we just kind of say our general thoughts about it without spoiling anything, um, and then we'll let you guys know when we move into the rest of it in case anybody has not watched it and is wanting to. So, uh, initial thoughts? I loved it. Okay, not gonna lie. I knew from the second I saw the previews last fucking year when I thought that this movie was going to come out, <laughs> I yeah. knew I was going to love it. Yeah. I have been hyped for this movie for so goddamn long. I know. It was supposed to come out in, what, February? And of then, last year. Yeah. And then people have were just like they... Critics loved it so much that they pushed the release back to a summer blockbuster because they know they're going to make more money in the summer. Which makes sense, but also... They did us horror fans dirty with dirty. that one. Yeah, that's simple. Dirty. Yeah, but luckily we've had quite a few good releases this year to like keep us company in the meantime. Absolutely. And we'll, so we'll, be, we'll be talking about a lot of them here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I also absolutely loved it. Um, I, again, didn't realize until I got to the theater that it was based on a short story by Joe Hill, who is obviously Stephen <clears throat> King's son. Yeah. Um, I haven't read a lot of Joe Hill, and I haven't read this story, but I feel like even if I didn't know it was based on a short story, I could feel the elements of 
a short story in it. Just like the things that come together at the end, little pieces throughout that I feel like a, like a writer very specifically will place throughout a script or a story to come back together in the end. And especially this one, the ending is one of my favorite parts. And I think, uh, yeah, a lot of it, I was just like, yep, I can tell this is based on very clearly based on a short story. And I feel like they probably stuck pretty close to the story, even though I haven't read it. I, I could be totally wrong, but yeah. I'm just saying, I feel like probably. Yeah. And Casey is a huge, huge Stephen King fan. Yes. yes so, I you know, am. anything even within like a third degree of him, which, you know, his son would be even closer oh, God, to God, and his son really does just write Yeah. Like and I mean, you can even kind of tell in this movie, just like the Stylistic. kid. Yeah, yeah. And the kid bullies. Like, I feel like Stephen King oh, kids are, yes. are especially brutal. Intense. There are so many kid fight scenes in this that are so hard to watch. And they, I feel like, yeah. like, bullies with a knife. Like, uh, later one of the kids has a knife. And I'm just like, yeah, that's definitely Stephen King kids. In any yeah. Stephen King story, they're just bullies with a knife. No so I feel like that definitely comes through in his son's writing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah, we don't want to spoil our whole lot. I feel like the trailer didn't spoil too much um yeah so you know i don't want to go too in depth about the um plot or anything uh during this part because i know a lot of people are going are still wanting to see it it's only been in theaters for a few weeks um but you know definitely go out and see it definitely support the art support film yeah but um, then then you'll have to come back here and watch the rest yeah absolutely rest yeah absolutely but um yeah, you ready to segue into the the part that's gonna have some spoilers? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, awesome. I suggest just go and watch it. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, just go ahead and stop now, and um, you know, go watch it. Come back and see us. So, spoiler-free part ends now. Spoilers coming. We are going to ruin literally every part of this movie. We're coming at you hot <laughs> and heavy with these opinions. <laughs> You're not ready. All right, so we're kind of gonna go through. Um, uh, we're kind of going to go through uh, the plot, um, sort of beat by beat. I'm sure we're going to jump around quite a bit. Definitely. Um, I'm a squirrel. Yeah. Uh, I actually saw this in theater twice. Yeah. I saw it once by myself, and then Jess and I saw it together on Saturday. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It, it It's a very good time. It's We had a very good... Uh, crowd in our theater very reactive yes, crowd i absolutely. think that makes such a difference it was for, so fun yeah i think it makes, makes such a difference for horror movies when you have people who are yelling at the scary parts and you know reacting to the good parts and, yeah you know. uh yeah so uh movie opens on the baseball scene uh the very first thing you see is a Coors light can which i love and it's a very vintage can because this is set in like the 70s yeah uh very 70s aesthetic Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it opens on two, uh, like, baseball teams. Um, it's like, you know, what are they, 12, 13-ish? Yeah. Um, and I kind of really like the way that the first scene is shot, um, because it really focuses, I feel like, especially in an establishing scene like this, where it's, um, kind of your cold open, uh, you're going to really want to focus on your main character specifically to tell the audience this is who you're supposed to be looking at. Yeah. And in that first scene, they are focusing on Finny, but they're also really focused on Bruce, yeah. who obviously comes back in a huge way. And I think it's just really cool because they really kind of frame them both as the main character. And then after the game is over, you're following Bruce for that next scene, obviously yeah. for a reason. But yeah, I just uh, I just think it's shot kind of cool. 
yeah in that sense yeah. it definitely made me uncomfortable but yeah after that just, opening scene there's like this um intro with like this creepy music and it's like yeah glitching between like just different shots of like traffic and yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what it was about it, but it definitely, like, made me uncomfortable. I was like, something bad. Yeah. Yeah. Was, like, I felt, like, <clears throat> imminent doom. Yeah. You know? Because, I mean, that opening scene is just very playful, and it's, you know, teen boys just having fun, and... It kind of quickly And then you, you see Bruce, who is, um, who ends up being one of the, um, sort of main characters. Yeah. Um, he's on the opposite team as our main character, Finny. Um, and they end up winning the baseball game, and Bruce is on his way home on the bike, and we get our first abduction scene, which I think the abduction scenes are shot very subtly, and I like, Mm -hmm. except for Finney's, obviously. Uh, This big black van Mm -hmm. that the grabber is driving comes around the corner, and it just fades to black, but you know uh, what happened. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) We have Jess's dog here, and he is... He has opinions about this movie. He's cuddled right up behind me. He is such a sweet boy. Don't worry. We'll we'll find a way to get you some images of this dog. (laughs) But anyways, the intro to uh, the main character, the, the main characters, the children, and their father was just an absolutely heartbreaking dynamic from the start. Like, it shook... It shook me to my core. Yeah, the oh, when they when it opens on the next scene after that um, like creepy little intro, it's breakfast with the dad, and um, it's just very domestic abuse, just hard to watch. Um, I think the sound design is done very well because it's very quiet and the smallest little sounds. Um, you can tell that the brother and sister are kind of tiptoeing around to not piss the dad off. Yeah. Um, He's just he he is honestly my least favorite part of this movie. Um, I can't. It it was. I'll say right up front, since we're in the spoiler section, there is no retribution for this man. He is an awful person. He beats his children, abuses his children, yeah. and then at the end, that is never resolved. And that is something that I don't really like about the script. I think they could have left that out. I think it seems egregious and not necessary. Yeah, it's not really a thing that. I feel comfortable having no resolution to. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> if I left the theater feeling uneasy. Yeah. And there is one line at the near the end um, when Robin is talking to him over the phone. And he's saying, you know, I've seen you get beat up and you always get back up. And I feel like that could almost be attributed to, well, the abuse from his father has kind of quote-unquote prepared him for this, which as terrible as that is. Yeah. But I feel like that's why they have the bullies. You know what I mean? Right. Because he gets He's beat getting... by the bullies and he always gets back up. We still don't need that trauma from the dad. Yeah, it's like he gets beat at school and then goes home and the same thing happens. It's right. like... And then we, we add more bad things happening to this kid. Like, what... It's just a lot. It, it's a it lot to ends. put on a child. It never ends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was heavy. Which we should introduce Robin, um, who is one of my favorite characters. He is uh, Finney's best friend. Uh, we are introduced to him because he gets into a fight, and that fight is harsh. Brutal. Bloody. Yes. Yeah, he beats the shit out of this kid. <laughs> and um, 
yeah, that that's uh, that was that was pretty hard to watch, honestly. Very hard to watch. And but also, I mean, remote remotely satisfying, I guess, because that that kid had it coming for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but absolutely. it's also like, oof. You feel you just. I felt. I felt how important the relationship was in that moment, and it was really fucking cute and wholesome and beautiful. Yeah, and then, because then right after that, they, um, Robin and Finny, uh, well, Finny gets followed into the bathroom by some of his bullies, and then Robin comes in and basically tells him to back off, like, fuck with Finny, you fuck with me. Yep. And I love that line, he's just such a little badass, he's wearing a uh, Cheech and Chong shirt, which uh, Jess and I both appreciate, obviously. And, like, the fucking bandana, like, it's very Karate Kid, I love it. He is the cooler version of Karate Kid. Definitely. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so, uh... He's you beach get to find, kid. Yeah, and I guess Finny tutors him after school, and it's just, it's a really sweet relationship that I really like, um, that I wish we got to see a little more of, but I also yeah. think they do a good job in the few, in the short time that we get with the two of them. Yeah, I agree. I think the whole time I felt how important their relationship was, so I think they did, although rarely mentioned, they portrayed it very well. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I love the outfit design and all, like, all the characters, especially Gwen's outfits. Yeah. I feel like I wish my mom had dressed me that cute when I was a kid. Oh, no kidding. Because, like, her little corduroy overall dress and just all of her outfits are so 70s and so cute. Yeah. And, uh, oh my god, when we get to James Renson later <laughs> and his fucking... I don't even know blue shirt that... Like, I'm going to Vegas and I'm... Gonna do lots of fucking drugs and gamble all my money away. I'm going to and Vegas, maybe but I wake I've, up with a new tattoo on my ass. I'm going to Vegas, but I've already done so much cocaine, and I'm not gonna stop the entire and time I'm there. I I, I have so <laughs> I have a never ending supply of cocaine. Yeah, that's which that's he does in definitely. This movie, essentially. Yeah, that's what his wardrobe said and his actions. Yes, so it all plus, it's plus all circle plus the porn stash. Oh I know they were popular God. in the 70s. I don't care. If you had one, I'm laughing at you. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> oh, they finally name-dropped the Grabber, which I think is a cool name for the, like, the bad guy in this. I think it's a very kid-made-up name. Yeah. Like, it sounds like something kids would call a guy that's taking kids. Yeah, like a boogeyman. Like, the Grabber is their boogeyman. Yeah. Because we should specify that, um, I think... Let's see, at this point, maybe two or three kids have gone missing, but they haven't found any bodies, so they don't know. Yeah. Um, kids are in school. <clears throat> and they were in the classroom, and I don't know about you guys, but my my teachers had more awareness of time. Like, this is so stupid, but I was just like, why is this teacher still going after the bell rings? Like, like the bell rings, and he's still in the middle of a lesson. Yeah, I just never, that, never in my life. I feel like it's like the least realistic thing about this movie for me. (laughs) Like the teacher would be like, okay, class is about to end, blah, blah, blah. Like, we finished the lesson, not mid-sentence bell rings. Yeah, like. I don't, I don't know. Everybody gets up and like runs out, like that's always been so dramatic to me. But anyways. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. No, that's (laughs) fine. Um, so, one of the next scenes that I... Um, I really liked, I kind of got scream vibes from it. Um, so 
In one scene, Gwen is taken into the principal's office, and it's kind of a pivotal scene for the movie, um, something I really, really didn't expect. Um, so she's taken into the principal's office, and just kind of her sitting in the chair, taken out of class because of, you know, a tragedy that happened to a student. Just very Scream, Sidney Prescott-esque. Um, but then we find out that Gwen has these dreams. Yeah. And it, she, I guess it turns out her dreams are sometimes true, she says. Because I guess she told um, Bruce, who was the first kid that we found missing at the beginning of the movie, uh, she told Bruce's sister that about a black balloon at the scene. And I guess black balloons were found at the crime scene, or where the kid was taken from. Yeah, and the detective said that they never released that information. Yeah, so these detectives, I guess, just automatically believe that this child has powers. I don't know. It, it actually was kind of nice that they didn't, like, gaslight her. Like, they, like, were like, what did you dream? Like, please tell us. Right. I didn't expect a supernatural element based on the trailer. No, I didn't like, either. Yeah, I did. I just kind of expected it to be very straightforward slasher. You know, just a guy, you know, no ghosts, anything. And it just, it does have a supernatural element to it. And I, I really liked it. I thought it really came together for it. Oh, I totally agree. I loved it. Yeah, um, so later that night, so I guess uh, on Friday nights, uh, Gwen goes to stay with a friend, so um, Finny that night is watching this black and white movie that has this scene in a bathroom, and it's got this blood red blood in the bathtub, and everything else is black and white, and it looks so, so familiar cool. to me. And I, of course, had to go <laughs> look it up to figure out what it was, and it's William Castle's The Tingler. Um, and so if anybody is wondering what that movie is, it was by William Castle. I think it came out in the 50s. Um, William Castle is responsible for so many classic horrors and, um, gimmick horror and things like that. So go look him up if you're interested in that. But, uh, I just had to go look that up. It looked so good. I love The yeah. Tingler. Definitely go watch The Tingler if you haven't seen The Tingler. That was such a fun little little throw in there, yep. you know? Especially considering it. the next scene is not so fun to mm. watch. Sure wasn't. <sighs> Where do we even start? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Finny wakes up the next morning and Gwen's screaming. Um, this is just one of those scenes I don't know how necessary it is. Because, right. again, we've already expressed the dad character need to be an abusive asshole. Yeah. Considering it goes nowhere. And do we need to see... I mean, they already, they already did such a good job with the way the kids act around him and tiptoe around him. We get how bad he is. And the, I just, but the visuals were not necessary. Not necessary. It, was, it was incredibly devastating to watch. Like, I was... I was in the theater and I was in tears. Yeah. I was. I truly was. I, uh... I had a moment because it was that, it was that heart-wrenching, the acting. Yeah. Uh, I felt like I was transported back to, like, my childhood and I was there. And that's really triggering. And, like, one, it, but one of the was. things it says about Gwen's actress, Madeline McGraw, her performance is so incredible. She is, it was like, there's one uh, part where she throws the dad's bottle of vodka on the floor and smashes it and it just... She's she's really good at portraying those really raw emotions, especially for such a young kid. I didn't look up how old she was, 
Um, but she's got to be like 10 or 11, maybe 12. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it was just, my stomach was in knots. My heart was like beating so fast. I was just devastated. That would be, I would say, like my, what I would say is a triggering scene for some people. If there's going to be a triggering scene in this movie, it's going to be that scene for sure. Yeah, I can attest to that as a <laughs> triggered person in that moment. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> again, don't think we needed yeah. it to be that explicit. Yeah. I, uh, I, I concur. And I'm trying to... I'm trying to fig- find a way to justify it. Like, as far as the story goes... And I guess it does kind of, um, like, introduce us to the fact that the dad thought the mom was crazy. Because I guess the mom also had yeah some dreams. And that's another thing that I also wasn't sure why we introduced. Because the mom thing is also not resolved. We can all go ahead and talk about that scene if we want to. Yeah. Um, so, the... Dad and Gwen are talking about her dreams, and he's telling her, you know, your mom used to think she heard these things too, and then they told her to do bad things, and then she killed herself. And the way he's saying it, Jess and I were sitting there, and, you know, she leaned over to me, and I was thinking the same thing, like, did the dad kill the mom? Yeah, it seemed to lack any empathy. And it just, the way he was <clears throat> talking about it, he's like, yeah, she, she killed herself. But we've already seen... Gwen's been proven right, so if she, you know, if the mom really did have, it just seemed very weird, and we don't really get a whole lot of backstory on the mom or any resolution on just any of it, and so I feel like we didn't need that part. I agree. That may be from the story. It could be something from the short story they carried over. I don't know. It just, I don't know. I I feel like not, not every single thing needs to be said in a movie. Like, I don't give a shit. Where the mom was and what happened. You don't have to tell me that story, especially if it doesn't matter. I can tell by watching the movie you're a single parent. Exactly. I don't need a backstory that's not relevant. If you want to mention it, one of the kids could be like, you know, to Finny could be could be saying to Gwen, "Man, I miss mom. I wish she was still around." You know, just to be like, "Yeah, mom's dead." That kind of thing. Right. It doesn't need to be, "Oh, your mom killed herself because she also had these powers that now you have." And it's like, "No, we've already got all these other things that are so good. You've got so, so many good happening. that you don't need to add in these other unnecessary elements." I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. We right after the um scene with Gwen, that really hard to watch scene, um we see Robin Ariando get taken. I think Ariando is his last name. Robin, who mm-hmm. is uh, Finney's best friend. Um, we see him get taken. And it's the first almost glimpse we get of Ethan Hawke because we do see a figure get out of the van yeah. that looks like he has a cape on. Um, but we definitely don't see much else. Yeah. And then it cuts to a bunch of phones ringing in different houses. You know, because that was the way people got a hold of each other back in the 70s. Your yeah. kid goes missing, you just call everyone's home phone. And it's just that that sound design of everyone's house ringing almost all at once. Yeah. That was a really well shot scene. Mm-hmm. So, um, the next morning, the uh, cops come to the house um, to investigate Gwen more since a new kid got, went missing. Um, 
Which, again, I just have to say, did everyone just believe in magic in the 70s? Like, I get that, <laughs> I get that they, you know, they kind of believe her because the black balloon thing, but there's also ways she could have gotten that information. Did they even have cable? <laughs> I'm just I wondering. know they didn't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> I just, they're Sorry. like, you know what? We have zero other leads. I, we need to go talk to this eight-year-old again. Um, hope I don't get fired for it. <laughs> hope her dad doesn't. Yeah, and then, yep. well, then the weird what? thing is, like, her dad was initially beating her and mad because the cops, the cops came to his came. work. But then when the cops came to their house, he just lets them on in. Right, that's. Again, doesn't make sense. Icky. Didn't need that to begin with. Icky, icky, icky. It was icky. just disgusting. Yeah, it just. There are just there were other ways to go about that, and it makes no sense. So now that Robin is gone, he's been taken. Finney's bullies are back. Yep. And Oof, that next we scene. get the even more brutal fight scene. Yes. They are beating the shit out of Finney and Sweet Gwen, who is just wonderful. I love her. Yes. I love her. Gwen stands in this house. Gwen stands. Absolutely. Justice for Gwen. Um, she runs up and bashes a kid in the face with a rock. And his face starts bleeding, and I was like, that kid's dead, right? That kid's he not- looked How's that dead. kid not dead? He's just staring out into space, and there's, like, blood pouring from his head. It and there's, was, like, a crater in it. Oh, my God. It was intense to watch. Like, and, how are you going to explain that to your mom? And one of the other kids, <laughs> like, kicks Gwen in the face and in the, like, body slams oh, her to body the ground. Oh, he RKO'd her out of nowhere. Oh, my God. Wait, out of nowhere. Fatality. So, they're both. Finish it. And then the, in the next scene, they're all just in school again. I understand that it's a movie. I get it. But even if you got into a fight off school grounds, your ass was getting suspended as soon as you got into school. That kid had a concussion. He could not have just that kid gone had back to brain class. damage. <laughs> yeah, that rock hit him hard. She felt that in oh, her fucking bones. It just looked so. Yeah, no, that kid ain't right. <laughs> it was. Oh my god, it was really intense. Know. And then we get to, I guess it was, it's a week later because Robin, or not Robin, excuse me, uh, Gwen goes to her friend's house again and she says, I'll take care, or he goes, Finney goes, I'll take care of dad, because that's what he always says on his way home Mm -hmm. when she goes to her friend's house to stay the night. And then, devastation. Devastation. (sighs) Magicians, you know? Comes out and he's so like, yeah, he comes out and he like spills his eggs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was it was incredibly strange. Yeah, like to get Finney's attention, and you don't see Ethan Hawke's face at all in the movie, like fully. And in this first scene you see him in, he is like his face painted, is painted. white. Yeah, but and like he had these Michael Jackson glasses on. It was very, <laughs> it was creepy for sure. Very. Yeah, he looks like Slender Man. <laughs> yes. And he was just wearing, like, a black button-up or something. It was just very... He looked yeah. like a magician yes. in the 70s. And, uh, of course, that's where, uh, you know, he gets Finney's attention, and he says, you want to see a magic trick? And then he shoves him in the back of his van. Yeah, he wrapped the balloons around him, sprayed something in his face, and just pulled him in the back of the van, and he woke up in a fucking... Cellar. Yeah, and he, like, uh, the grabber lets the balloons, like, float out behind him, so it almost looks like he was just shoving a bunch of balloons into the back of his van, which is just... The, oh, the way I it's hate, filmed. Yeah, I hate things that are, like, 
you know, in horror movies that are so realistic. That, that are they're like, giving people ideas on how to kill almost, people? Yeah, and it's just, it's so close to happening. It's, like, two feet away from you at any time that it's just, like, fuck. Like, you know, you could, Freddy and Jason. You could do that and, if you were strong enough. You yeah. could wrap balloon strings, especially if you practiced on all the motherfucking kids. Yeah. Yeah, we only know about the, um, the few kids and... You know, that are in the movie there. Yeah, we don't condone this, by the way. We don't condone kidnapping anyone with balloons. No, child murder. I don't feel like that should not, that shouldn't have to be said, but I want to clarify. We are fully against child murder. Notice and I said child murder. Yeah. We are pro-choice. Yes. So, then we get to... Tell them what we got to, Casey. You tell them. The mask. We finally get the mask reveal. And... The mask is one of the best parts. So, uh, now is as good a time as any to say the incredible mask design, which I don't think it's controversial to say, is a big part of the reason that people were so stoked for this. Oh, 100%. Like, you just saw Ethan Hawke in that mask just doing this thing, and everybody was like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So, uh, the uh, mask was created by horror legend... Tom Savini, who has been working on things since, I mean, he started on the original Friday the 13th. He has been in the horror industry forever. He's amazing. Oh, if you don't know who Tom Savini is, like, I, You're you can't the, yeah. tell me that you watch horror. I just, yeah. I'm not gatekeeping. I just don't yeah. believe you. <laughs> so, uh, he and. If you don't know who he is, you should. Exactly. And, uh, Jason Baker, he and Jason Baker own their, um, effects company. And, uh, Jason Baker also has done a lot of stuff for Slipknot. Um, he made some of their masks and a lot of WWE masks as well, which That's I think awesome. is a good uh, starter for him to just make amazing horror masks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, wrestling and horror go hand in hand a lot. Oh, absolutely. Know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, then, uh, you know, Finny is officially captured. He's down there. Here's, here, we're, here we are now. We're just, we're in, we're in it with Finny. We are down there in that goddamn cellar with him, and the set design is creepy, very minimal. Um, a bed. A bed in a cement basement, and then around a corner there's a gross toilet. That's about all you got. You got the And the then black there's phone. the black phone on the wall. And, of course, as soon as Finny wakes up, he tries to, you know, pick it up and call out, and there's no one there, of course. And Ethan Hawke's there, and he said, doesn't work. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good impression. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I've been practicing. <laughs> it's uh it's very creepy and uh oh, so unsettling. Oh, this first scene with him is he's having a blast. I mean, Ethan Hawke is having so much fun in this role. I loved watching him act his ass off. Yes, he was just he was like I said, him and the children. Yeah. We're absolute stars. Yeah, he was having so much fun with this. And, um, you know, he's down there. He's telling him. I mean, one of the things he says to him is, because I think you mentioned you got some kind of creepy It was It was kind of weirdly sexual. And yeah. Like, not that, um, not that being feminine or having, like, those kind yeah. of mannerisms is bad at all, or well, directly things... related to pedophilia. I don't mean that, but his vibes to me were like, "Why are these mostly young boys that he's targeting?" And, and I the... get that there was like a like a little girl in there, like maybe here or there, from what yeah. I've seen, but like mostly young boys. Why is that 
his target? Does he like a challenge? Does he like the boy? Like, I just, yeah. for me, I just, I didn't want to think about that, but it, it kind of took me there. Yeah, and one of the things that the grabber says is he, I'll never make you do anything you won't like. Yes. And then just, oh my god, I don't need to say later. Oh, he was just staring at the little kid. He woke up. And yeah, he was just sitting in the corner staring at him. Yeah, and he was just, and he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I was just looking at you. Yeah. That's But one thing I will say is I, if they were going to take it that route like they did, they did it in the most subtle and best way they can. There's nothing explicit. There are no triggering scenes as far as, you know, assault goes. I really, I think they did it in a tasteful enough way that it's like, yeah, you can see those undertones of like this guy obviously has, you know, a sexual preference for these boys. But we don't need to see any scenes of him trying anything. No, I absolutely... So I'm glad that they... If we have to see a little girl getting beat, at least we don't have to see that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. But it also kind of takes me back to our point earlier. I'm like, if you didn't need to show that to give a powerful implication, why did you need to show this? Yeah, why why were the sexual elements even there when it's clearly just like... Like, later, we find out it's a game to him. He wants to play Naughty Boy, which, again, sounds very sexual. Sexual. But of all the things that the kids say, it's just they try to escape, and he beats them until they pass out, and then he tortures them and kills them. But, yeah, I mean, I guess because it makes it more uncomfortable, and typically, I'm sure, statistically, that's how it would go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're probably just, you know, I don't know. It's gross and weird and I hate it, but whatever. (sighs) Definitely. But yeah, we see, um, you know, when he's in there by himself after, uh, you know, before Ethan Hawke comes down for the first time, we see him, you know, try the phone. He tries the bed. Um, You know, he's just a very, very savvy kid. And then he sits down and he says, you know what, if it could have been done, it would have been done. Robin would have done it. Mm Mm-hmm. And he just, he's trying to think of, you know, he's like, these are the obvious things. I'm not going to get out this way. But he's just a very savvy horror character, specifically for a kid. And I think that's really cool. He thinks of a lot of things that I would not have fucking thought of. Yeah. Never in a million years. I don't even want to say this next part because it's such a good idea. And I don't want to not get credit for it. But no I'm going to say steal it. this. Copyrighted 2022. Yeah. Justin Casey, Deepers Creepers. But I looked at Casey and I was like... Wouldn't it be so sick if there was, like, a drag remix of Lady Gaga Telephone and one of the black phone phone calls? <sighs> so creepy. It would be in, like, you know, you could just add, like, add the, the phone calls throughout the song. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, this is genius. Write that down. Write that down. <laughs> Lady Gaga Telephone, black phone mashup. <laughs> also, I just felt like after he was sitting there contemplating... He just, I feel like he just gave up, and I was thinking he was probably, in his mind, giving up on life at that point for a moment, because I think the only thing that really kept him going was Gwen. Um, I really think that if it wasn't for wanting to be strong for Gwen, he he didn't have much to live for. Like, his only friend... The one that cared about him and protected him is gone. 
And I think when he realized that he could be the one to, like, give a voice to his friend and the people he knew, if he made it, I think that and his love for his sister mm-hmm. and knowing that leaving her alone with his father could be a death sentence. Yeah. I think those are huge motivators as to why he was so intent on not giving up and getting the fuck out of yeah. there. And that's why seeing their yeah. relationship is so important early on. Yeah. Because you get those feelings of they would do anything for each other, you know, even if he anything. doesn't want to. face yeah. for him. She, you know, he doesn't want to necessarily go through what he has to go through but he wants to get back to his sister he knows he has to get back to Gwen and he doesn't even you know that doesn't have to be said explicitly in the script and that's you know that's just a sign of good writing yeah is it's just it's known he's thinking I have to get back to Gwen and uh, so then we get our first phone call so earlier on Ethan Hawke tells him it doesn't work yep um he, you know, he says that they hear it ringing because of some kind of electric current that goes through it, and then it rings, and you pick it up, and no one's there. But Finny picks it up, and someone's there. And someone's there, and it's Bruce. Bruce. And the reason he knows it's Bruce, he talks to him for a minute, and um, he can't remember his. He asks who he is, and the kid on the other line says, "I don't know. It's the first thing you lose." Creepy. Which I think is very creepy, yes. Uh, so they're saying, you know, when they die and they go to the other side, they don't know who they are anymore. Um, but the reason he knows it's Bruce is because Bruce says the line that he said at the beginning of the movie, your arm is mint. Your arm is mint. Because they yep. were at, in the baseball game together. And that's how he's like, oh my god, you're Bruce Yamada, or whatever his last name is. And uh, so then Bruce tells him, okay, so when I was down here, there's two loose floorboards over there, or loose tiles in the floor over mm. in the corner, or over in the hallway. And I didn't have time. Though. I didn't have time to do what I was going to do, but take them, or take them out and start digging, dig out and under. So of course Finny does. He starts doing that. He and another one of those really savvy things that I absolutely love. He's taking the dirt and flushing it down the toilet. Because my first thought was, what are you going to do with all the dirt? Yeah, that was genius. Flush it down the toilet. I've never so great. thought of that. Gross. I'm gonna be toilet. honest. It looked disgusting. I know. I was like, "Are you gonna put it in the bed? What are you gonna do with this shit?" And that wasn't that when he was scooping the dirt with the toilet, uh, the toilet bowl in, or the wasn't he scooping it with? No, that's when he was hitting the ah, cement and later. Mind. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting yeah, there. that's he uses myself. the toilet uh, lid, tank lid for something later. Yep. Um, but yeah, and then. Uh, you know, we're just, we're down there with him for a while, and it's, it's not great. We finally get an assembly at the school with the kids. How many kids have gone missing at this point? Like five. Why are we just now having an assembly? Great question. <laughs> Kid two goes missing. Get the children together. Walk in pairs. Don't go alone. Curfew. Someone's out there growing, grabbing kids. No, no, we're going to wait until, like, a lot of kids go missing. Whatever. Makes you question, like, what is a regular, what is a regular crime rate in this town? Well, I guess it was the seventies, and serial killers weren't as like prominent. You know what I mean? So yeah, but come on, common come sense. On. That's Apparently a lot of children to be killed in a short amount of time. Yeah, that's, that's very nice. true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, but then we got the second phone call. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah. So, uh, second phone call. He just goes by Newspaper Boy, and he remembers his name, which I can't remember what the kid's name actually is, because the kid just wants him to call him Newspaper Boy, and I didn't really get that. 
want to be referred to. Yeah, he said, his, don't call me that. And he said, just call me newspaper boy, you know, whatever. Well, he but said, I'm rest- not that person anymore. But I don't, I'm like, well, that's true. Yeah, but, but, like, the rest of them don't mind. So, again, that, you know, has no explanation, whatever. True. But when he gets that second phone call, there is an amazing jump scare. That, oh, it is so good. Everyone in the theater screamed. Jess screamed. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, you know, Finney's on the phone, and the camera p- kind of pans over, and you see the little dead newspaper boy also on the phone talking to it. Oh, it was stressful. And I don't think Finney can see them. I think only we can see them, because he yeah. doesn't react to their presence. He's just talking to them on the black phone, and they're yeah. also talking I I kind of like that. It's like in 13 Ghosts. Yeah, yeah. You know and it's how, just like, like they couldn't always see them, but we as the viewer could see yeah. them. Yeah, which makes sense, because yeah, William Castle <laughs> made the original 13 Ghosts. Love it. Yeah. He, uh, so the 13 Ghosts that we know of is a remake of a William Castle movie. Okay, we'll have to watch that sometime. Yes, it is. He, one of his gimmicks in that movie was called Illusional. And <laughs> the, the <laughs> audience would uh, put on these special glasses and it would show the ghosts on the screen. And so cool. it's referenced in the remake of 13 Ghosts because the characters yeah. put on the glasses. Like, okay, I love it. Isn't that so cool? Yes. I love William Castle. He's amazing. That's amazing. And then the Tingler, which we talked about earlier, yeah. uh, the gimmick on that one is, because, um, like, I guess it's about, or it is about this, like, monster that attaches to you and, like, grows on your fear or something. Mm-hmm. And there would be certain points in the movie where uh, in the audience, the seat would buzz behind you. And not, like, shock you, but, like, buzz to get you to, like, jump. Oh, yeah. I love horror movie gimmicks like that. I wish I could have been live during that time. I'm sad we don't do that shit anymore. I know. Or, like, they, like, would puff air on the back of your feet yes. or something. Oh, my goodness, yes. That's all William Castle shit. And I, I love, love it. it. I love it. Yes. I'm all for a good scare. Yes. Hence so, why we're here. Yes. <laughs> so then we learn what the game is basically naughty boy so because we noticed that ethan hawk leaves the door unlocked mm-hmm. um the door to the cellar that finney is in yeah and finney is about to leave and hears that you know he's about to open that door and go up the stairs and he hears the phone ring and luckily he runs back and newspaper boy says don't go upstairs yeah if you go upstairs he didn't tell you you could leave so if you go upstairs he's gonna beat the shit out of you with that belt and it's gonna hurt yeah and it's... Until you pass out. Yeah. Yeah. And so he wisely stays downstairs and... Oh, it's just... It's crazy. You know, the, he wants you to play the game. Yeah, like, like if, didn't didn't he say that... Um, newspaper voice say... If, like, you don't... Um, you don't play... He can't win. He can't win. Mm-hmm. And if and he so, can't win, he can't go on to the next part of Naughty Boy. Exactly. Which is, I assume, you know... Murder. Right. Murder. So I thought that was pretty important. Yeah, it it definitely is. Um, There's a really cool shot during that call where the boys are standing back to back on the phone with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, obviously they can't interact, but it's just, it's a cool shot. And I I thought the minimal makeup on the zombie kids, whatever, dead kids, um, was, it was nice. I I didn't think it was too over the top. I thought it was a little CG, but whatever. Yeah, they weren't too, like, zombie-esque, though. It was like... It felt pretty authentic to the scene. I'm going to be honest. This is the pivotal part of the movie. Because when he decides not to go upstairs to play Naughty Boy, the camera does. All right. Oh. The camera 
does go upstairs. The camera was playing Naughty Boy. I want to play And Naughty I was Boy. there for it. I want to play Naughty Boy. Because, listen, Ethan Hawke is sitting there in a chair, and he's just got his little wide legs spread. He's got a, a belt over his knee, and he's shirtless. And he's got he's so got his dad bod. Yes, he's so hot. So part of the uh, cool thing about the masks is the first time we see the mask <laughs> is uh, the bottom piece is like a removable mouthpiece that we know that we see. It's the so first cool. one is faceless; it's got no mouth. The second one is a smiley face when he's introducing himself, this and face? then when he <laughs> yes, this face. Oh yeah, um, that is one of the good part. Uh, so when we pan upstairs and uh, Ethan Hawke, the grabber, is waiting <laughs> for Naughty Boy to start, he's got the frowny face mask on. And I just loved it, the different masks. And why is Ethan Hawke so hot? I literally looked at Casey because she was taking notes and I said, <laughs> Daddy, write that down, write that down. <laughs> literally the whole movie, I was like, Something stupid. Write that down. <laughs> but seriously, Daddy, important. So hot. Why is he so hot? That's in, that's we we wrote it in caps. In, that's how in you all know capital it's important. Letters. Yummy, yummy. Um, so uh, <laughs> she did write yum. Guys. I did. I did write yum. <laughs> Anyways, one of the uh, things that Finny tries, he finds this cord. I think one of the kids in one of the phone calls told him about it, and he's trying to wrap this cord around the, like, bars that are in front of the window, because there's a small, high-up window in, a, you know, how there usually is in a basement. Right. No, I can't. I have uh, a murder basement, but anyways. I love basements. I've never murdered anyone there. Basements that where you know of. Where the, where the good stuff happens. Anyway. <laughs> so he's trying to get out of the basement, and <laughs> so he's trying to wrap this cord around, like, the bars. My murder basement. To, like, <laughs> just don't tell sorry. everybody. Sorry. We're posting this. Oh, Sorry. And he can't get it wrapped around these bars to, like, climb up to the window. And so he takes one of these rolled-up rugs and, like, pushes it up through the... How the fuck did he think of that? I have no idea. It was, like, climbing up the rug. I never... He, like, oh, no, yeah, he pushed it up the rug. Yep, that... Yeah, so oh, it, my God. So that it, like, perfectly leads this rope up to, like, you know, wrap around the thing. That was insane. And I never... I, I apparently am not that smart. Oh my god, I would have died in there. <laughs> I would have died in there, I'm sure. I was I'm positive. I was one of the first children. <laughs> I was yeah, I was just the kid that just didn't even get like called out in the movie. I just Yeah. One they never found. Nobody ever cared. No nope. I was just dead. I was just dead. Dumb and dead. I was just happy for the floor eggs that he threw at me. <laughs> I could be a good t-shirt design one day. Dumb and dead. <laughs> Dumb and dead. <laughs> um, so then You're gonna buy that merch one day. Merch one day. Merch one day. You're gonna buy that merch one day. And look really cute. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Casey. Continue. You know, sure. you know it's hard for me to not do musicals. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, and then we we talked about that scene with the uh, the dad and Gwen, where he's telling her, "You're not magical," and she's like, "But what if I am?" Um, and then they go out and they look for Finn in the car, and it's like almost a redeeming moment because he like wants to believe his daughter, almost again, hardly, too a little no, too late is what I said. Yeah, no resolution at all. And if it went further than that, and there was more resolution, and he really had a changing moment, I don't know, whatever. But then. Then Jess. Then who do we get to see? Well, 
We got to see. Sorry, I had to take a drink of LaCroix there. That shit is crisp. This episode is brought to you by LaCroix. LaCroix uh, come, sponsor, come sponsor us. <laughs> Please. But guys, we get to see a coked out 70s looks like he's going to Vegas to gamble away his ex-wife's life savings because she was the fucking breadwinner ass Coke snorting, drug doing, bad motherfucker, James Ransom. <laughs> um, and I have to say, guys, I love him, but he always plays the most squirrely character. And I love it. He plays it so well. He's I think playing to his type, for he, sure. I feel like he has to be a squirrely man. In yeah, because I mean, as deputy so and so, he's just very, like, <laughs> paranoid, annoying, you know. And then he's also, he's Eddie Casprack. The most neurotic, like, germaphobic, like, just, I just, oh, uh, yeah. He plays to his type very well, but I think he does a very good job just being all, you know, just a coked out mess. And he, so this, he is, uh, staying, he says he's staying in his brother's house. He, uh, the cops come over, um, to investigate because Gwen has a dream and recognizes the door to this house. So they go and they're, or no, 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 this is actually when they're just not canvassing. They're just knocking on doors, Mm -hmm. seeing if they've seen any of the boys. Well, I guess James Ransone has been staying in his brother's house and he's been, like, coked the fuck out, just um, uh, trying to figure this case out for some stupid reason. (laughs) Even though it's clearly his brother? Yeah, he has no idea. So he's, like, talking to the cops, like, oh, it's this, and he has to be in this area, and the cops are basically just laughing at him, and then they leave. And then there's this amazing shot where he's sitting on this couch. It's James Ransone, and it pans down through. You can see, like, the inner workings of the floor. It's a shot that's been done before, I know. But it pans down, and it reveals that uh, Finney is in the basement of the house that he's in. So basically, I mean, that's the reveal that the brother, he's saying, you know, oh, I'm staying with my brother, Ethan Hawke. And I do think it's kind of easy to miss... (laughs) <laughs> guilty because Jess did kind of miss it okay so but there listen. are a few small <laughs> references that kind of tell you you know I'm gonna tell you guys right now episode one Casey is the brains <laughs> I'm the boobs okay so sometimes I miss things it happens <laughs> I literally did not realize till almost the end of the movie I swear I was like Casey that's his brother and she's like you just now realize <laughs> it's a true story and it really happened <laughs> it's fine <laughs> shit happens okay <sighs> anyways now uh, I've revealed myself and one because one of the cool things that unfortunately you kind of missed because of that is and I you know it's later on but I'll jump to it it's his cocaine epiphany that he has because he does this big line of coke. He's actually doing pretty small lines of coke. From yeah, a, it wasn't a, that a bad. A friend told me. <laughs> um, and, so he does this line Is of coke. Is looking in a then, mirror? And then he, he looks up at this map that he has drawn out of all the kidnappings and the abductions. And then he realizes that the spot that they've, you know, that he's been circling the whole time, basically. I'm like, the guy basically has to live right here is his house. And that's when he realizes my brother's been doing some shit. And then I, he, he looks so over mad. he looks over it. toward the basement door and he's like, 
oh fuck. And we all know Finney's down there. And we're like, oh shit! Jess did not know. Oh my god, I did not. <laughs> no, we're just another. <laughs> so, uh, just just so good. Um, the scene where, like, Ethan Hawke's face is kind of like hidden in shadow. Um, he's got his mask on, but you can't see which version of the mask he's wearing. Mm-hmm. And he's like asking Finny questions, and he asks him his name, and Finny lies. And he steps out of the shadow, and he's got the frowning face. And I just think it's kind of, like, creepy and just weird. It's very, yeah. he was ready to play Naughty Boy. Yeah, he really was. And he had the newspaper with his name on it. Yep, so he knew he was, uh, he was lying. But, and then he says that line, I almost let you go. No, the fuck you didn't. No, he was never gonna let him go. No, the fuck you didn't. I mean, he, and it just, like, those little, like, in, like, sights into Ethan Hawke's character's psyche. Because, like, earlier on... Uh, Finney says, you were the one who took all the others. And he says, no, that was someone else. <laughs> yeah, and, and then he, like, tells him later, like, oh, um, I'll never, ever hurt you. I'll never make you do anything you don't like. And it's like, I just, it's, yeah. I think those little things are just kind of interesting. Just interesting yeah. insights into yep. the mind of this fucking crazy-ass motherfucker. I agree. Um, and then we get another really good j- jump scare. Do you remember this one? Uh, here's the dripping. Yes. So here's his blood dripping. Mm-hmm. Um, is that when he gets the third call? Yeah, so it's, uh, so he has the little, like, pen light thing. Because he's had this little, like, um, pen light that's shaped mm. like a rocket the whole time. And that's yeah, what he hurt Ethan Hawke yep. with. I forgot about it, too. And he, like, uses the light to, like, pan across the room. And then it's Griffin, who is one of the little kids, and he's, like, hanging in the air, but, like, upside down, kind of. It's oh, so weird. Yeah. And his blood's dripping on the floor. Yeah, that and was then, creepy. Yeah, that's when he gets the third uh, the third call, because the door is open again, the grabber's upstairs waiting, but the grabber's falling asleep. And Griffin calls him and tells him that. Yeah, and he tells him to leave... And it was so tense and yes. so stressful. Because there's he, a... You can explain the bike lock. Yeah, yeah, so he had a combination for the screen door, and Griffin told him it was the combination of his bike lock, which is incredibly fucked up. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, he told him where he had inscribed it into the wall, and he found it. And so he was trying to play through all the different combinations in his head. Is it 23-31-7? Is it 2-3-3-17? You know, like, he was trying to play through every combination it could be before he got upstairs because he knew he didn't have much time. Yeah, because so he walks by the grabber who's asleep in the chair. He sneaks past him, and he's sitting there, like, feet away from him trying to unlock this door, and the second he unlocks it... He wakes up. The dog... The dog wakes oh, up. Oh, the dog wakes up. Yeah. yeah. The I dog wakes the dog. up. And so then it wakes him up. And he he runs out this door. And I, you're sitting there in the audience. And you're like, I'm about an hour into this movie. And I know he's not getting away. Like, he's so close. But I know he's not getting away. I know he's going to get back there. Because we are not far enough into this movie for it to be the end. And that's unfortunate. Because it's, he does so good. Finny, you did so good. 
It was so sad. He, like, the, uh, the grabber, like, tackles him to the ground. And they're making so much noise, and someone turns their porch light on. How does no one come outside? That's what I was thinking. Not one person? Not one person. When there are four or five children that have been abducted. And you've heard some weird enough things that you got up and turned your porch light on, but you wouldn't open your door and be like, what are you doing in my grass? Because they're just, like, laying on the ground. And, I mean, they are, like, obscured, and he's, like, got a knife up to Finny's neck so he won't make any noise. But, like, whatever. I would have taken my chances. Yep. And I'm like, well, I'm probably going to die anyway, so I might as well scream. Yeah. Yeah, but that's why we die in horror movies, and uh, Finny doesn't. (laughs) Uh, That's fair. (laughs) And then we get what is maybe one of the most iconic lines. If it's not, do you want to see a magic trick? (laughs) <laughs> the most iconic line has got to be Gwen saying, Jesus, what the fuck? <laughs> Cause she's, I love it. She's, like, convinced the whole time that her dreams are coming from God. She's got, like, this little prayer set up in her dollhouse where she's got a rosary and a cross. And she's praying and telling them, you know, God or Jesus, you know, why are you giving me these powers? I really want to find Finny. And she goes to sleep and she doesn't have any dreams that night. And so she wakes up and she's like, Jesus, what the fuck? <laughs> and the whole theater just laughed the fuck because it was, it was just amazing. So funny. Yeah. And uh, then, yeah, we got the the fourth call, Casey. That's your boy. <laughs> Which, okay, so we are gonna preface this by saying the actor who plays Vance Hopper. I cannot figure out how old he is. I believe he is a minor. He is a wonderful actor. I agree with you. He has very pretty eyes. Um, he's, like, styled as this rocker kid. He's the, one of the, I think, the fourth call. Um, mm-hmm. and it, uh, you know, you get his little backstory, um, through one of Gwen's dreams, um, where it shows, uh, how Finny knows him, because he saw him get into a fight at this, like, convenience store or something, um, and beat the shit out of this kid, and then he gets in the back of a cop car, and it turns into one of... Gwen's dreams. Gwen's in the back of the cop car, and the kid in the dream shows Gwen where the house is. And so now she knows the address to the house, which I think is, what, 7741? Yeah. Yeah, so he, like, carves that into a kid's arm in the dream and shows her where the house is. So now she knows the address to the house because of the Vance guy. But then in the call Vance makes to uh, Finny, he tells him about the freezer that's on the other side of the concrete. And this is when he brings in the toilet oh, tank lid. yeah, 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 the freezer. Okay, yep. So he took the toilet tank lid and he bashed through the wall to get into the meat freezer. And he tried with all his might. He gets into the freezer and then it's locked. It's so he locked. can't get he out can't from get the out, And he loses it. This is the first time we see him break down. Yeah. He's been so strong. I mean, everybody, you could, you could tell, like, it was amazing acting again, I'll say it, but, like, you felt the despair and the hopelessness. He's feel like, he feel like, he's, he feels like he's tried everything. Yeah. He thinks, you know, this This is is my, this is it. This is, you know, I've done all the things. And he's like, I can't be there for my sister. Like, you can kind of see him just giving up, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's when Robin finally comes back. Robin. And he calls. And you can see Finney on the floor, and he's, you know, he's crying, and he hears the phone ring, and he gets up. Yep. And it just, this sweet, sweet moment of him hearing his friend's voice, and, you know, Robin finally telling him, like, use what we gave you. 
I just, yeah, I just love their relationship. And he's basically telling him, like, you can't give up, you can't die for nothing, because then that means I died for nothing. If I'm going to die, I want to die for my friend. I want to die and then know I helped my friend get out of this situation. Oh, it made me emotional. Oh, I teared, I up, teared for up sure. Yeah. I love, oh my god, their I love Robin. Oh. Robin's such a little badass If, if I kid. could bring back anyone in a horror movie I've seen recently, I would bring back Robin. Justice for Robin. Justice for Robin. Yeah. Where Robin stands to. 100%. For sure. In this house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then... Oh, yeah. So, anyways, he taught um, Finny how to use the... Like, pack the phone with dirt and use it as a weapon. And taught him how to punch and, like, step back and really do some damage. Um, and the whole time I'm wondering why he's not going to use the toilet tank lid, which he doesn't. Still don't get that because that's what I use. True. I think but, it's hard. But anyway, he teaches him how to hit. Yeah. And then there is a scene when um, Gwen is riding her bike to see the house from her train. Trying to find it. Trying to find it. And she's wearing a yellow raincoat. It's dreary. The, she's the a child on thing, a bike. The whole thing is giving me major it vibes. Like For Georgie sure. and it. For sure. I'm like, this is so... And it has to be intentional. It's Stephen a Hill story. Yeah, it has yeah. to be a, a slight nod to his dad. It has to. I love that. Yeah, as I soon think as that's... she said it, I was like, oh my god, yeah, yellow rain slicker and red rain boots and it's pouring down rain. And, and it's a poor child. And mur- yeah. child murder, you know. Child murder always reminds me of Stephen King. Yeah, I mean, and when did, was it, did that take place in the 70s in the book or when was it? Uh, so the kids parts in the 50s and then the adults parts in 50s. the 80s. Okay. But then in the remake of it, the kids parts in the 80s and the adults parts now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The original, uh, the kids in the original take place in the 50s. Okay. I just read that book again this year, actually. I love that. Um, I highly recommend that book <laughs> for anyone who has not read it. Um, oh my God. And then Casey, what happened? <laughs> So, we are back to the scene where the cocaine epiphany happens. Cocaine! <laughs> <Okay. laughs> cocaine! So, uh, James Ransone has his cocaine epiphany, realizes his brother's hiding something in the basement. Goes down there. Oh my god. Oh god. So he goes down there, insane. he barely opens the door, and he's like talking, he's like, oh shit, I knew he was hiding something down here. Listen, I'm gonna get you out of here. And then, boom! Boom. Axe to the dome. He fucking came in hot and murdered the fuck out of his It mother. scared the hell out of me. And I kind of knew it was coming, but also you don't. And he just, Ethan Hawke comes from behind, because he's all, still on the stairs. Comes from behind, you don't see him, and you, just an axe to the top of the head. It was insane. James Ransom goes down instantly. And there is blood all over Ethan Hawke. This is the first time we see the bottom half of his face because he's only wearing the top half of his Oh, I devil loved mask. that. And I thought it was a very good look with all the blood splatters. Oh, um, yeah. That's really hot. Very <laughs> hot. Um, I think Jess and I have issues. Yeah. Yeah. You'll you'll learn that if you don't already know that. Nope. Uh, listen, Anyways. if they would have made the dad <laughs> character hotter and not a piece of shit, maybe I'd be lusting after him and not had a hot-ass Ethan Hawke. Yeah, we didn't really have a choice. Yeah. Blame it on the director, not us. Blame it on the casting. <laughs> um, so then, Ethan Hawke's all pissy now because he killed his brother, whatever. Blaming you, it on You him. did that, motherfucker. Yeah, whatever. that was your fault. So then, uh, he decides, okay, this is it. This is when, this is the end. 
and he goes up and gets his dog Samson, which we've heard about, we haven't seen, and it's this beautiful, beautiful black mastiff. He was a baby. He was a sweet baby. He was cute. And he, Ethan Hawke chains him near the door, so, like, you know, he can't get out, and so now it's, it's, it's time, and, you know, Finny knows that he's got to use everything that the kids gave him, like Robin said, and so the very first thing is he runs down the hall and jumps over the hole he made, which was the first thing he did. He covered it with like a rug that it was, was left so down smart. there. Yeah. yeah. And so he jumps over it. So Ethan Hawke runs after him, falls in this hole, and his ankle does this turn. Snap. Snap. Oh, it's I disgusting. Love a good like ankle or wrist breaking oh, in a, or like God, knee popping yeah. out. I love that shit. Ooh, so good. I love it because I so feel now it. Ethan Hawke is like half in almost hole. 30, you know, I'm like, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's just me standing up. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Ethan Hawke's like kind of in the hole. So then, uh, Finney takes the, um, the black phone, the titular phone, uh, that's now like packed with dirt and is a lot heavier, and he starts just wailing on Ethan Hawke. Oh, just beating, beating the, the shit, shit out, of him. out of him. And you know, Ethan Hawke's trying to grab at him, but he can't. And then, uh, so then Finney looks at the, the phone cord and takes it and wraps it around Ethan Hawke's neck. Chokes that motherfucker. Starts choking the shit out of him. And then the phone rings. Oh. And this is my favorite part of the movie, and people can fight me if they want and say it's cheesy. I don't fucking care. I thought this came together so fucking well he the phone rings finney puts it up to his ear and he says it's for you and all the kids get their lines again that they had said to finney previously in the movie to like help him out and to like you know progress his him further to help him you know get out of the situation and they all say their lines and it's you don't have much time right now ends your pathetic little life i can't kill you so finney's going to and then Finn's, Finn's arm, arm is mint. And then that's when Finn, like, snaps his <gasps> fucking neck. Oh, so... It is so I was like, good. oh, he's dead. And one of There the, was no double tap needed. It was like, he's dead. Yes. And that one of the best parts about seeing a movie like this in theaters and having a crowd like we did is, you know, everybody, when he's beating the shit out of him with that phone, everybody's cheering. Cheer. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, get him. Yeah. Like, fuck him up. That's amazing. <laughs> it just makes it so much better of an experience. So, yeah, everybody was so happy. And during all this time, you know, during this, like, climax between the two of them, uh, Gwen thinks she's found the house. And she yes. brings the cops over there. Yep. Uh, but he had rented, turns out, a second house. Right across, across the street. The street. Yeah. And that's where the van was parked. And so the one across the street where she found, because that's where the dead kids led her, that's where he was burying them. Which yes. makes sense that the yes. dead kids are leading her there toward his bo- their bodies. Yeah. So they're all, like, you know, the cops find out that there's a bunch of bodies in the basement. There's this really sad shot of Gwen sitting on the ground because she knows that they've just found bodies. And she's probably yes. thinking, they're going to dig up my brother. You know, he's gone. And then right across the street. Finn had just made it up the stairs. And he came out the front door. And they just look at each other. And I... The world stopped for a moment. I died. It was so sweet. And she runs across the street to him, and it's just the absolute sweetest fucking moment. It truly is. Uh, My heart, like... I'm tearing up right now talking about it. I know. Honestly. Their relationship is so sweet. I... I have a brother. I don't talk to him. It's just... It's... Those kind of relationships on screen are just... Especially when they're done that well. Yeah. And you know that they cling to each other because they are all that they have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He took... You know, the, the cops grab Finny and they start taking the ambulance and 
Gwen is just hanging on to him. And, you know, there's this scene at the end, uh, you know, where the dad runs up to the ambulance and he's like, I'm so sorry. Can we get some kind of, like, first of all, why didn't the dad die? He definitely should have died. I wish he would have gotten hit by an ambulance when he was, and then they could have, I don't <laughs> like want a the scary kids movie to go to foster care, but I okay. want them to, like, Alternate be ending. better, better He shape. runs up, gets hit by an ambulance, they go live with a fun aunt. Yes? Love it. Yes. So nothing happens to the dad, which is unfortunate. He should She's have gotten rich something. Too. Yeah. And she lives in a glass house that's got 13 ghosts in it. <laughs> we are going the wrong way with this. Shit. Shit. <laughs> what about um, she just lives in a glass house and she's actually secretly a drug addict? Like in the movie Glass House. <laughs> I really think they may even be better off with their dad at this point, Jess. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was trying. Let's I had just great keep ideas. them where they are. Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, so then, uh, yeah, then there's just the denouement. Uh, Finn goes back to school and... Well, the last line of the movie, I really don't know how to feel about it. Because he sits down next to the his little lab partner who he'd been crushing on throughout the whole movie. And she goes, hey, Finny. And he says, call me Finn. And the movie ends. And I don't know. I guess I get it. You know, he's grown up. But it's cheesy. But I also like it. I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just so funny. You can see all the bullies, like, visually. You can see how afraid they are in their faces of him now. Because they're like, you know... He killed the grabber. Yeah. He's a psycho. Yeah, you, like, see a shot of the bullies, and they won't even make eye contact. Yeah, it was it was a really nice moment. Yeah. I love I love that that at least was reconciled, since we got nothing. That's the, the thing. Farmer. Instead of that, why couldn't we get something from the dad? I don't know. Whatever. It's fine. Though, like, so <sighs> few complaints in comparison to how amazing the rest of the film was. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I think that my final thoughts were it definitely can be triggering. Um, I know with my personal background, to me, it was. Um, So just make sure that you are in a good state before you go see this movie, especially if you have parents that deal with um, addiction or people in your lives that deal with those things. It is very triggering from that aspect. Yeah, there is definitely, I would say, an alcohol warning yeah, know, just, but, um, I mean, I feel like that also abuse. just yeah. typically in a lot of, a lot of horror movies, you're going to have a lot of those triggers. And um, it was just so raw. That's why I think yeah. it was so hard to watch yeah. because some movies just graze over it. And this one just put you like reared its ugly head and was yeah. like, I'm going to make you watch. And didn't and give us just, didn't give us anything to make us feel better about it. No. Cause the dad got nothing. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I walked out of the movie feeling incredibly sad yeah. for those kids in yeah. their future. Like, I'm happy they're alive. Like, but at least they have each other, but, like, God Their quality of life, you yeah, know, it's just sad. But, yeah, um, so that's, uh, that was the Black Phone. Uh, obviously, we both really enjoyed it. Definitely. Um, you're not going to find a horror movie that I can't find at least one good thing I like about, but I definitely really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was so well done. Scott yes. Derrickson is... A master of his craft, clearly. I mean, Sinister is one of the scariest movies of all time, in my opinion. It's incredible. Ugh. I still can't watch it in the dark without getting a little scared. Me too. You know? So look, I have a I have a bagul painting yes. that I did. I love bagul, <laughs> spooky face, um, terrifying. And Ethan Hawke in that movie, like he really has made a resurgence in horror movies in the last. Yes. I hope he 10 stays years. in the genre. I do too. Yeah, him this and is James truly. Ransom. 
This is truly his genre. Yeah. I hope he was <laughs> high steel. He was built for it, honestly. Yes. I hope he and James Ransone stay in the genre. I hope Scott Derrickson makes some more good movies. Yeah, um, and seeing Ethan yeah. Hawke is like the the villainous role as opposed to like when I think of him as the dad in the purge mm-hmm. or you know, he's the dad in Sinister, which mm-hmm. I mean, he was kind of villainous and sinister, you know, if you think about it. Like, he was but villainous straight in a very human way. Yeah. his wife. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. He did some <laughs> fucked up stuff in that movie. That is something that we will probably maybe eventually review. Oh, uh, we have to. Um, but speaking of uh, future reviews, I'm not 100% sure what we will be doing for our second podcast. Um, but we do have an email. It is deeperscreeperspod.com at gmail.com so uh, feel free to email us with uh, comments questions concerns and definitely movie requests absolutely Um, we have a big list of stuff we'd like to review eventually not just new stuff but old stuff classics uh, cult classics you know just whatever comes our way stupid movies dumb movies we probably will do something really dumb next since this was uh like a really great horror movie. I just want something we can really just rip into. We're thinking early 2000s. Yes. You know, late like, 90s, early 2000s. Just the dead time of horror and pop culture in general. I don't agree with that. Whatever. But we'll uh, we'll discuss this further <laughs> on our next episode. Yes. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. And uh, feel free to reach out to us. We'll be starting an Instagram and everything soon. Um, but we love you so, so much. And stay spooky. Stay spooky, babes. Did you get those eyes?